Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. this time last year <clears throat> my mother had a, a situation to where she had a, uh, a spell with her heart and she passed in August but it was January February I don't remember Barbara may remember but we thought she was leaving then but she always had a way of coming back <laughs> and she was wanting to go there was no doubt in her mind she wanted to go and she came back and she had quite an experience and she was telling us of this experience um, and then she amended for quite some time and then she passed in August but the biggest part of it beyond who she saw is what she was told and I won't get into that part but she said the, but the biggest part was just being in the presence of God she says I, there's no she said I don't know how to tell you she said the worship uh, everybody's so drawn to that. She said, "There's, there's no musicians on earth that she's ever heard that would replicate what she heard." And she said that when you would breathe in heaven, she said you wouldn't like take in a breath of air. She said the air was, um, I, don't, I don't have a word for it, but uh, she said it would. You wouldn't take a breath in; it would come in you and go through you, and it was like uh, it was making a 360. And it would just, you take a breath in and it would go all the way through your body and then over and then out and then back in. And you did it effortlessly, she says, but it wasn't air. She said it was pure love. You, yeah, the, the, the glory. Now, I don't know. Uh, I believe and I think most people, and this is not a point here, but, you know, we won't have a, a flesh and bone body We'll have a spirit body. We know that, right, in heaven? It won't be, it won't be because of blood. You're, you're, the, the life will be the, the glory of the Lord, right? So you'll have a glorified body, which stands to reason its substance and life substance will be glory. So every time you, you inhale, you just inhale more of that, of that glory, now, how long would that endure? Oh, like forever? <laughs> you know, the, there, there's no downside to heaven, is there? And here's the deal. It is forever. And so when I, a, a believer goes home, which is home, this is not home, that's home, they are forever in his presence and just get to enjoy and to be a partaker of of that glory forever and of the presence and and I, and I know you you have experienced as as well all of us all of us have from time to time d- degrees of that glory I, I've been in meetings that I thought where we're, no one was standing and it wasn't it was I think we weren't able to I remember being in a certain certain meeting I thought 20 minutes had gone by I had no idea it, it had been four or five hours 
and had just been on the floor that long. And I just thought, you know, 15, 20 minutes went by, and I was just kind of out of it. And uh, I remember getting up from that place where we were at, and what happened to me was uh, I was traveling, and it was actually it was Rodney Howard Brown meeting, what it was in Texas. And uh, the only problem with that meeting is he didn't come to his own meeting. Because he was in another country, revival broke out, and he couldn't get back. And he asked the pastor, would you please forgive me, if I, and I'm going to send my brother there. And we were kind of like, send your brother. <laughs> we, we drove 700 miles not to meet your brother. <laughs> but that's how we think sometimes. <clears throat> but really, Rodney Howard Brown or his brother couldn't fix any man's problems. And the Spirit of God was there. And I remember... I don't remember what any of my issues were or what I thought my issues were or the problems I was dealing with, the pressures that was in life or ministry, whatever it was at the time. But I remember, uh, I remember having some unnecessary weights in my life. And when I got up off the floor hours later, I, I just couldn't remember what any of them were. <laughs> they just took off. And here's the deal. I tried for the life of me for the next two days to remember what any of my problems were. And the second day, I remembered, oh, yeah, you was concerned about this. And for the life of me, I tried to worry. And there was just nothing in me that could get a good, serious worry up. And, and, and the situation had not changed, naturally speaking, but, the, but I had a different perspective. And that's what happens in the presence of God. Your whole perspective changes, Right? Remember casting all your care upon the Father. Why? Because he careth for you. Doesn't mean you don't have a concern. You can have concern about something or someone. But what you're not designed to do is you're not designed to carry the care. You can have a concern, but you can't take the care because he took it. Amen? And that's what the presence of God is so amazing well, once again, we're glad that you're here. Now, here's how we do it. Some of you know Brother Randy. He actually preached for us in Clanton a number of years ago. So, but a lot of you um, uh, didn't know us then, and I know you. So, I know you didn't know him. And so here's how we do this, so that we can take off to a fast start, because we want to get all we can out of tonight's service and tomorrow before it's over. So, we are going to pretend like this is his third time here. Come on. And uh, we're going to pretend like he really likes us. They like us. Amen. We, and, and, and he's our favorite come-to guy, right? So we're thrilled that he's here. So I, 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 this is like the, you know, the, the, being at the airport and the, you're in the plane and they got clearance to take off and you're slowly making your way to the runway. And this is my favorite part of flying, mine, uh, is when you're straight on and they get the clearance to take off and you can hear them. I never did like four cylinders. I don't care what kind of gas miles they got. <laughs> Because there's just nothing that you can compare that runway experience to, right? Now, now I like being in there, and I like coming down as long as it's a good landing. But, uh, but just that, just the the force of going on the runway, you don't have a car that does that. And um, so, that's where we are. Is let's not be to the place to where he had, needs to have, to have a, a crowbar anointing tonight to move some things around. Okay. Y'all go ahead and just do some of this. Just go ahead and shake and be free. Come on. It's, it's, it's Saturday night, right? 
Jesus loves us. You love the Lord. We love one another. Our, our favorite ministers or people are here again for the third time. So as he comes, you just give a big, we love you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, you know, the, uh, you can always tell when people hear the word of God because the pastor gets up. Well, what did I tell you I was going to do if I caught you over here again? My brother. Praise God. When the pastor gets up, you can just tell it's being pulled. Amen. Well, you can be seated. And as you are, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this wonderful church, these wonderful pastors, this wonderful congregation. And Father God, we want to be in your presence. That's that We know we are in your presence. We know that the glory of God is here right now. Yes. And we thank you for that, Lord. We receive it. We receive the glory right now. We, do, we, have, we make up our minds right now that these next two services, we're not going to leave here like we came in. We're not going to leave here the same. We aim to change. We've made up our mind that you're going to help us because that's who you are, Holy Ghost. You are the helper. We're not going to make it hard on you. We're not going to make it hard on you, Jesus. We receive what you have for us right now ahead of time. We know we're going to see it. We know we're going to touch it and taste it and feel it because you are good, Lord, and we receive it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, The presence of God, the glory of God is in this room right now. And uh, I, I, I can remember hearing that and thinking, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about that, or I don't believe that. But just imagine all the things you believe in life without any evidence for a second. Okay. Where were you born? Detroit. Detroit. I don't believe that. You don't. Your your uh, your accent uh, betrays you, so. Yes, it does. <laughs> Been away a while. <laughs> but he believes it too. He believes he was born in Detroit. Who told you that? His parents who he trusted, right? He don't know that he was. He just believes it. He has no evidence. He may have a birth certificate. He may have a bunch of writing on it. But the truth is, he don't know if he was born in Detroit or not. He trusts somebody. That is how this is. This is your birth certificate. And you don't know if this is true or not. You just trust it because the guy that told you died for you. <laughs> Amen? So what we're going to do is, and I like, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've been friends a long time. Brother C here. I rescued him. He's a rescue. Just like we are. Just like I am. And, uh, you know, my... I want to introduce my folks here. This is my son, Alec. Alec, stand up. Alec, this is Cody and Emily. This is my son, Cody, and his, and our, this is our daughter, fiance, fiance daughter. And uh, Mary, stand up. This is my wife, Mary. Beautiful, wonderful, excellent. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Uh, you know, when, when Cody brought Emily home to meet us, uh, we didn't put her on like a three-month basis to where we decided if we was going to like her or not. Yeah. That's kind of what Pastor's talking about right here. Yeah. If he okays it, Come on. you can say, well, I'm going to rest then and I'm going to receive. So when Cody brought her home, we just went, we love you. Amen. Right now, we're not waiting. What, what's the wait for? We love you now. If he loves you, he's okayed you. Amen? Yeah, That's how we do that. Good. So, good. Good. so just rest. Take a breath. 
Just breathe it in. The Holy Ghost is here. The glory of God is here. I can see the glory cloud. It's in this place right now. And so just receive that and expect that. Gravity's still working, but... You know, that's a good point, isn't it? You know, Jesus, everybody says, well, I just don't know. When I got born again 30 years ago, uh, I got instantly transformed from somebody who was not saved to somebody whose spirit was dead to, a, to an alive spirit who instantly understood that there was a heaven <laughs> and there was a hell. Now, I'd heard it all my life. You know, you can hear something all your life, but faith don't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. See, well, I've heard that before. Well, you may have. You may have heard it 19 times. Your problem may be that you've heard it 19 times and haven't received it once. Might be my, that might be the deal. So we're going to receive what God has for us this, these next two services. Amen. You're going to leave here different. Uh, Cody and Emily are building a house over here in Calera. They, they're in Tuscaloosa now. She's just graduated. Cody's still in school, and they're going to uh, build in Calera, and they're going to come to church here because I told them they were. There you go. <laughs> so there it is. It's, see, it's settled. Now, I'm, I'm playing, but the truth is if they go, okay, then they don't have to make a decision about it. Now, I've, I've settled it for them. Amen. Now, that's how God wants to do you. He wants to tell you, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to, I don't want you to buck this. I want you to go for it and do it. That's, there's, a, there's a word in the Bible. It's called submission. Come on. And the, the rewards for submission are a whole lot more than the rewards, the, the rewards for agreement. Uh, do you like ice cream? I do too. We don't have no trouble agreeing on that. That's right. Right? Any flavor. Do you like yes. broccoli? Yes. You like broccoli? What do you not like? Help, help me out here. Rutabagas. He doesn't like rutabagas. So if he was going to eat rutabagas, he'd have to submit to that. Sub, put what he wants under, submit, sub, put that down and do what somebody else wants. But here's the power of submission. Now, we're not talking about rutabagas anymore. We're talking about what God wants us to do. The power of submitting to God is when he tells you to do something that you don't want to do, and he does, not because he doesn't want you to have fun or doesn't want you to have it. He knows best. He knows exactly what you need every single time. And the problem is, is we hadn't caught up. Our minds are not right when we hear it. Or we, if they were, we'd just go, okay, well, that's huge. God, praise God, here we go. We do that, but the truth is, if our minds hadn't caught up, we have to submit. We got to put what we want down and take what God wants. Now, I want to welcome all our folks on Facebook. You are going to receive something in these meetings. Those that are out there in the out there in the marketplace working, hey, you're blessed. We call blessing on you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. I'm going to have to quit running over this thing. <laughs> Move it over just a little bit. That's perfect. But uh, Mary and I, uh, and I want to we want to give I want to give some background uh, tonight, and I also want we're going to minister tonight. Because uh, God's got something for you. He's got something big for you. Amen? You're here on Saturday night. My goodness. Amen? So you're going to have what God wants you to have. We, uh, we've been ministering for 20 years, uh, full-time, part-time. But over the last 20 years, we've been married 20 years. 
uh, I was the pastor of Bethesda Christian Center. Anybody ever met, met Pastor Gene Hollis? Y'all remember him, don't you? Well, that was my pastor. That's who raised me. He's why I'm like I am. And uh, he, uh, I was looking at him when I got born again. So, you know, when, you, when, a, when a baby's born and whatever they're looking at, even a little animal, whatever they're looking at, that's, they get imprinted when they're looking at it. And they start acting like it. If you, if you take a duck and you hatch a duck and you put it in with a couple of cats, that duck will try to meow because he wants to be like his people. And so uh, people used to say, you act just like Gene Hollis, and that's supposed to be an insult. And I said, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Because I want to have a heritage of what God wants. I want to have what God wants for me. And so 20 years ago, we got born again. I was pastor of of Bethesda there. Pastor Gene and Pastor Carol had gone to Alaska, and so Miss Mary and I got married and pastored the church for seven years there. And then he came back and uh, from Alaska, and uh, I turned the church back over to him and became his associate pastor again. I was his associate pastor for 25 years, what time I wasn't the senior pastor. And uh, we, uh, we began to minister, and as, as soon as he came back, as I said, we turned the church back over to him. I do the youth, uh, lead praise and worship, did the uh, prison ministry. Miss Mary does children's church. So we have about eight or nine jobs, like some of y'all. You know, we have about seven or eight jobs at the church. So recently, uh, we've been led in a different direction. We're still there at the church, but uh, we're going to talk about that during these meetings and tell you kind of how that works. And, and some of the stuff I'm going to tell you about, you're going to say, well, that's you, like I used to. I used to, I used to sit and listen to, to, to pastors and ministers and say, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I work. Or I do this, or I do that. And I'm telling you, God has a plan for you. He, there's a shift that's on. There's an awakening that's coming Amen. to the body of Christ. Amen. And the, basically what we've got to do is make sure we get ourselves in the position to be awake to hear what God wants us to have. And that's what we're going to talk about. Amen. So, Miss Mary, come on up, and I'm going to let you get started. But uh, we, we tag team preach. And uh, you got that mic right there. I'm going to give her that one. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell them about your book. Okay. I don't get everything out, out of order here. <laughs> I'm done now. Praise the Lord. Praise well, I did a few years ago, and I, this is out in the foyer. I wrote a book. I had, um, I didn't want to do it. But the Holy Spirit kept insisting until it was absolutely imperative, and I could not do anything else until I wrote this book. So for two years, I got in a little room every day for two years and studied and got this book out. And so what it, what it is, the name of it is Who Am I Really? And it's, that's what it's about. It's about who we are really, not who we think we are, not who, when we look in the mirror, who we see. It's who God says we are. And it deals with why the local church, why is it important to be part of the body in in the local church and who your pastor is to you. Because there's an anointing that comes from our pastors that if we don't tap into that, man, what what we do without in our lives is huge and we don't even know it. 
And so the Holy Spirit just started dealing with me about, you know, did, you know who am I as a spirit? What is my flesh to me? Who is my enemy? And so um, this, so I, I got finished the book. I obeyed. That was one of those things that I don't really want to do this. But I did it. And uh, I think it, it has been a blessing to, uh, to our family for sure. So I just wanted to let you know about that. And this, for you guys, you can just have that. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm going to get started. Randy's already prayed, so we receive that prayer in Jesus' name. We're anointed, and the Holy Ghost is here. Yes, he is. Let me get... All right, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to get right into it. This is home for me. This, when, I, when I open this book, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I, I do when, when we've been traveling and we come home and, and you're, you're at home, you know, you think, oh, we're home today. And that's how I feel when I'm reading the Word. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to talk about the awakening. The Holy Spirit just really got a hold of Randy and I about seven seven months ago and really just woke us up in to the day we live in and what's going on now for the, the end time church and, and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. And so we're going to we're going to be the ones that Jesus comes after. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, says, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I got to, I went back, I like to, I like to look up words in the original. I like to know what they mean. I want to know what they were saying. And so I looked up this word sleep. And it says that some of the meanings for it were just to drop off to sleep, to yield to sloth and sin, or to be indifferent to one's salvation. And that's what I want to talk about this indifference. And so I looked up the indifference. I didn't want to just take for granted that I know what that word means. So I looked it up again. And it means nonchalant, uncaring, casual, lukewarm, and bored. Now, the Lord had been dealing with us and about Revelations chapter 3. And so I just started studying. Revelations is a wonderful book. It's it will bless you. Now, Revelations chapter 3, I've got a lot of scripture here, so if you want to just write it down. Revelations chapter 3, verse 15 says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. 
So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you said, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see." As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And I also, and I also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I'm reading this and I'm just studying and the Holy Spirit just started talking to me about this. And I'm like, what does this have to do with me today? What does this have to do with us? And it is this, the state of our churches. You know, we've traveled some and we're seeing this. Churches, good churches, they're emptying out for no reason. There's no, the word of God is being preached in these places. So what's going on? It's this lukewarm spirit, this lethargy, this, this um, indifference to our salvation. And it's caught, it's caught on in the churches. And people aren't, their first love is not Jesus anymore. And so what's happened is the, church, the body of Christ has become distracted. And so we've got to know how to not let that happen to us. We've got to know how to live in this day because Jesus is coming back. We are in the last of the last days. I believe that with all of my heart. The very next verse is chapter 4, verse 1. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things that must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And I looked at that and thought, Lord, that's a pic- is that a picture of the rapture? It sure sounds like it. So I went over to 1 Thessalonians 4 where it says basically the same thing. I said, that is a, that's a picture of it. So I'm looking and I'm seeing a pattern here. God is talking to his churches. He's saying, get ready. Get ready and wake up because I'm coming. We've heard that our whole lives. I know, I, you know. Since I was a little, I was raised in church, not always a word church, but I was raised in church and I always heard Jesus is coming back. But I think sometimes when we hear things, we get, we just get numb to it. We've heard it for so long that it's not reality to us. It's not real. But Jesus is coming back. And so we want to be ready. We want, we want to be in the group that he's coming back after. Second Timothy chapter 3 tells us a little bit about what the last days look like. And we're living in these days right here. Second Timothy chapter 3. Now I'm old school. I like a Bible. I don't. I have the, you know, I've got the Bible downloaded on, but I just like to turn the pages and read it and mark it up. Second Timothy 3, verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. 
For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. So there is a list. I mean, that pretty much covers it all. And we're seeing this every day. We see this. You turn the television on and you see this. You see it uh, in the market. You see it when you're shopping. But we're seeing it in our churches. And that's what, that's what we've, got to, we've got to get a hold of and not, not be taken with this group that's falling away. One thing that I notice about these scriptures right here, perilous times come because, and then it gives the list, and I can't find the devil's name in there anywhere. I cannot find it. It's not there. Now, we know our ultimate enemy is Satan. We know that. But this is a list of human fleshly devices. That's all that is, just, little, just the, vi- the vices of a human. So that's what it looks like the last days. Well, how... How do we avoid that group? My main scripture, my main text is going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And I said all of that to get to this. I want everything God has for me. When I stand in front of Jesus, I just want to hear, enter in, good and faithful servant. We, you know, I don't have to have a lot of conversation. I just want to hear, enter in. I want to know that he's pleased. And so I want to get it right on this side. And so if there's anything that the Holy Spirit is trying to get to me, I want to know what it is. I don't want to be in the dark. Verse 24, Matthew 13. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go then and gather them up? He said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reaper, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we're looking. Now we know ultimately this is talking about Jesus and the enemy of Satan. But more specifically, I want to look at a few things in this text here. Good seed was sown. Good seed was sown. See, we've got churches all over America where good seed is being sown, yet tares are cropping up everywhere. And it has nothing to do with the pastor's message. But it says an enemy has done this. Now, how can an enemy come into a place where good seed's being sown? Well, it tells us in verse 25, while men slept. That's how the enemy gets in and infiltrates our lives and absolutely infiltrates. While men are sleeping spiritually, 
the enemy has come in and planted seed. See, your eyes and your ears, oh, they're so important. They are so important. What we put in our eyes and what we hear, what we allow. See, this, this is a spirit. You are a spirit. And, you know, Pastor said perspective. You know, he talked about perspective when he got up here tonight. And I wanted to shout because that's part of our message. There's a place that God's calling us to, and I, I won't talk about that tonight, but he's calling us up higher. And so our perspective, there's a shift coming. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow, but a shift is coming. And as a matter of fact, it's already here. And so we want to be part of it. But this enemy came while men slept and sowed seed. Well, we've got to identify our enemy. That's the one thing that I think we just, you know, well, the devil did it. You know, it's because of the devil. It's, this is, you know, yes, in the strict sense, he is responsible for all the sin in the world, all the things that are bad. But we have a choice. Now, we, we are... We're a spirit, and we've got a body, and we have a human nature. You know, just nature, our human nature, the flesh, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's talking about your human nature without God, without the, the influence of God. That's what that's talking about. And so we're going, we, when, when we're talking about this, we're, we're talking about it from the perspective that we're a spirit. Your spirit, if you're born again, you're perfect. That, I mean, you, you guys know grace. You know what grace did. So that's not the issue. But the issue is what do we do with this flesh until Jesus gets here? And so we have to come up higher, come up to a new place. So the number one thing we're going to do is define our enemy. Romans 8, chapter 7 shows us who our enemy is. I'm going to start in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means the enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now we know what the law of God is to, for us. It's love. We don't, we don't walk according to the, the law of Moses. But we're redeemed. But we still have this flesh to contend with. And we can't please God if we're walking in it. You know, um, I heard a story about a woman that she was, she was saved, her husband was not, and this was many, many, many years ago. He didn't want her going to church, and he was doing everything to keep her out of church, and he burned all her clothes, so she burned her dresses, so she couldn't go to church. Well, she got her bathrobe on, marched those kids out the door, down the road, and a you know, a minister saw them on the road, got them. and But I, you know, my, I thought, God, how did she do that? How did she stay with that man? How did she do that? And he said she lived higher. She lived in a higher place. And, you know, the testimony about this woman was she was always full of joy, always singing, loved God, just 
always in the spirit. So she lived in a different place, and, and it's, I don't believe that it was that she just overlooked that and just, I'm just going to ignore that. I, I, believe, it, I believe it didn't affect her. I believe she lived in such a place where the things happen. Things still happen to us every day, but we can live in a higher place where they cannot touch our spirit because the Word says in 1 John 5 that if you are born of God and you guard yourself, the enemy cannot touch you. That yourself it's talking about is your spirit. So if we guard our spirit, the enemy can't touch us. So we have to see who our enemy is. And right here it says it's our carnal mind in verse uh, 7. James 4, 1 through 4, uh, 4 says that the friendship with the world is the enemy of God. So we have to ask ourselves, what is in our mind? What are we doing? What are we looking to and listening to every day? Because you're going to be controlled by something. And your spirit has got to be the one in control. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a brand new creation. And we are. Our spirits are brand new. They, you know, we, we, couldn't, we can't even do this without the grace of God. Without God's grace, there was no hope. But because we have God's grace on us now, because we have God's grace in us, then we have the power to control our flesh. We have the power to walk through the doors of the church and come in and sit down and say, God, I'm getting everything you have for me today. My pastor's anointed, and I'm going to receive that anointing and go out and affect the world around me because of it. Or we can come in and sit down and say, oh, my gosh, it's been a week. I'm tired. I hope he doesn't go long today. I've got a list a mile long of things to do, and I understand that. I understand having things to do, but, but we got to come to a place where God's number one. He's our everything. And so, you know, we see church, we see people leaving, and they, and they can't really tell us why. They, we can't, I don't know why. Uh, we just, you know, God's just not number one anymore is why. We're living in our flesh instead of our spirits. Our Romans chapter 12, this is my last scripture, verse 1, says, let me get over here to it, a couple of pages. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You present, you the Spirit, present your bodies to God and be conformed to this world, not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, it's the transformation is coming. And it is coming through our renewed mind. As we renew our minds, we're going to be transferred. We're in the process of becoming the glorious church. Now, spiritually, we are the glorious church. We're the glorious church right now. But our flesh has got to come in line with that. And as it does, that will usher back Jesus. So we have a lot to do with that. We're not just sitting here waiting one day, Jesus. No, we're becoming. 
We're becoming the glorious church, spirit, soul, and body, eventually. And it's not, uh, it's not about a list of regulations, do's and don'ts. That's not it. Because you can read your Bible every day. I have done it in my life before. I've been reading and just, just go in, read my chapter. I'm reading my chapter today. And I didn't feel like anything was working, so I thought, well, God must want me to do more. So I'm working it up, and eventually I'm up to three hours in the morning doing, you know, got my list of things to do. And, but everything was still the same. It's because of the way I was doing what I was doing. I'm just doing a bunch of just a list. It's just a to-do list. And that's not what it's about. We don't read our Bible, and we don't pray to get... God to do anything for us. He's already done it. He did it through Jesus. But we read and we pray to renew our minds to what Jesus did. To become our flesh, to become in uh, unity with our spirits. And you know it in, I won't go there, but Ephesians chapter 4 talks about, you know, God gave, Jesus gave gifts pastors. He gave your pastors as a gift for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And then it drops down and says, till we all come to the full measure of Christ, to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. We're becoming something. And that is the glorious church. We're coming to a new place and we don't want to be left out. We don't want to be left out of anything he does. So it is about a perspective change. It has to do with who matters the most to you. We, do, we read our Bible for love's sake. We love Jesus. We live our lives as Jesus lived his for love's sake. Because he that's in me won't do those things. Can't, you know. There are, you know, obvious things that we don't live in. We don't... I don't live in adultery. That's a given. Jesus is in me. We don't, you know, I don't live in these things. But it's because of, it's because of love. It's not because I'm trying to get him to do something for me. And so it's easy. When you do it from the perspective that you're a spirit and you're responsible for your flesh, it's easy. It gets easier every day. And then then I, I believe we're going to see our churches fill back up. I believe it. I believe it. With all my heart, they're going to fill back up because Jesus is faithful. And Jesus is coming back after a glorious church, and that's who we are. Amen? Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, you know, you can, you can hear things sometimes, and as human beings, we're so driven. You know, we're, we, we want to succeed, and we want to, uh, uh, we want people, and we especially want God to approve of us. It's not wrong to want to be approved, but the truth is God approved you when, you, when He sent Jesus to the cross. That's right. And for me to go in thinking, I got to do this so God will approve me, it's an, it's an insult to Him. It really is. Well, you know, y'all have all, I see your faces, and a lot of you are younger than me, but most of y'all, a lot of you in here around my age, so you've been through all the, the old sayings of, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were an old sinner, but now you're saved by grace. Yeah. And, 
And what happens is we don't understand the righteousness of God and what it's done. I can tell these young people right here, I'll tell you right now, you never have to sin. You don't have to sin ever. Well, now you got to sin a little. No, you do not. Not if you understand righteousness. See, let me read this right here. I wrote this down. Living right does not cause righteousness. Righteousness causes you to live right. See, we had it backward. I did this before I got saved. I said, I'm going to get my life right and I'm going to go to church. Well, I'm not going to get my life right until I go to church. What? How's that going to work? Church is where I'm going to go to learn how to get my life right. And I'm going, because I didn't feel worthy to be there. Well, I, the truth was I wasn't born again, but uh, Jesus never healed a, a born again person. What? Yeah. Jesus never, never healed one Christian. He never did anything for one Christian. He did it for people that needed it and let him do it for them. Right? The woman with the issue of blood was a lawbreaker. The centurion was a Roman soldier. It would be no different than the Russians riding right down the road here. And that's who's occupying y'all's town. That's who the Roman centurion was. He was no... He was no <laughs> He was not an uh, uh, Israelite. And he went to Jesus, and here's what he said. Jesus, I recognize something about you. The stuff you say works for you. Now, remember what he said? He came to Jesus and, and said, uh, I have a servant that's sick, dying. And uh, Jesus said, well, I'll come heal him. Now, there's two accounts of this. One, one, he sent some people to tell Jesus. Remember, he sent these Jewish people, and they said, this is a good guy here. He built us a synagogue. Jesus didn't say, well, I don't care if he built you a synagogue. He said, okay, I'll, I'll come. <laughs> Jesus didn't try not to do stuff for them. He made it easy so that he could do what he was asked, as long as it was in faith. Now, the difference in faith, and there's, there's, a, there's a difference in faith and grace. Now, y'all got the best grace teacher so I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Y'all got the best great grace teacher in the state of Alabama right there. He taught me grace. The last conversation we had for about three or four hours is where I got a new perspective of what, about what grace is. But I, did, I also got this. I'm not abandoning anything else just because I'm going to take grace. Man, I'm going to have faith too because I can't have grace without faith. And I can't have faith without grace. It's by grace through faith. Righteousness is the same way. Righteousness, all these things are gifts, like Miss Mary was talking about. These are gifts. Well, how do, you, how do you operate a gift? All right? You take something you want somebody else to have, and you give it to them. If they pay you for it, it's not a gift anymore. If they do anything other than go, thank you, I receive that. Praise God. If they say, well, I let me get you some. Well, that's fine if you want to do that, but... That's not what this is for. This is a gift. And the, the fact that you're trying to pay me for it means you don't respect me enough to just take my gift. Now, we wouldn't see it that way. We would see it as being humble or being, you know, pride will not let us do that sometime. Pride won't let you receive what God has for you sometime. Well, I just don't feel worthy. Well, you're, well, you're not. Just receive the worthiness of Jesus. You're never going to do anything to make God love you more. And you're never going to do anything to make God love you less. Amen. He has made up His mind. Remember what I talked about? 
God's made up His mind. When Jesus brought you to Him, to God, God said, I like them. Is that right? Am I telling you the truth? And so what you have to do, though, is you have to make grace and faith and righteousness work for you. You can't work for them. I've done it. It don't work. <laughs> Just like what Miss Perry's talking about. Read three hours a day. Pray three hours a day. And there's, you know what? We're not saying don't read and pray. You, you, you can't read and pray too much, I, I promise you. <laughs> you know, we come to church. I don't know. Y'all have Sunday morning and a Wednesday night service. So let's say you come early and you stay late. That's three hours on Sunday or four and three or four hours on Wednesday. That's eight hours out of 168 in a week. So, now, well, you're making us feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, you can't do too much. You're, we're not doing too much. The church is not, our churches, like Miss Mary is saying, are not having a lack of people because we're trying to get them to do too much. It's not too much. Amen? But say this right here. Say, my faith works for me. Say it again. My faith works for me. I don't work for it. See, we came up same way in the faith movement. Thank God for the faith movement. Thank God for Mark eleven twenty three. Thank God for Kenneth E. Hagin. Thank God for these guys that brought the Word of God to us and said, look, this Bible will work. But I kind of, and you know what happens? You hear something and you're excited about it, but then your, your thinking develops how you, your perspective develops how you're going to believe that. And everybody in here believes something different. You may not be, you, everybody may be, believe the, enough of the same about salvation to all be saved, but we all believe something different a little bit about salvation probably. It'd be impossible almost for us not to. Have you ever described a mountain to somebody before? And then when they got there or describe anything to them. And I've had people describe, to describe stuff to me before. When I got there, I thought, this, ain't even what the, this is not even what they was talking about. But they were describing it from their perspective. It was this high and this big and all this. And you get there and think, well, it is what they said it is. But it's way different than what it, you know why? What because they were wrong. What they described, they already saw. They knew it but they just didn't have the ability or, or you couldn't be communicated to to receive that. So what we got to do is, I used to see it like this. It was Father God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and God faith. <laughs> and I would have never said my faith works for me. No, I'm, I'm working for my faith. But you know what? Your faith works for you or it doesn't work. That's what the centurion was telling Jesus. He said, Jesus... I recognize something right here. I've got these soldiers under me, a hundred of them or so, hundred plus all the all the support team, a century, you know, century and a hundred. He had all these hundred soldiers under him plus all the support team, and he said, "When I tell one of those guys to go, he goes. When I tell one of them to come, he comes." He said he didn't he didn't spell it out like this, but what he said was, "The reason I'm in Israel is because somebody told me to come here, right?" He wasn't in Rome. He was a Roman, but he wasn't in Rome. He was in Israel, occupying Israel, right? So he said, I recognize something. My soldiers respond, Jesus, just like your words do. Because he said, 
You don't have to come to my house. You just say the words. Speak those words that you speak that you command to go do stuff and they go do it. And then you command them to come and they come and you command them to go and they go. Jesus, he said, Jesus, I recognize something. Your faith works for you. And Jesus didn't work for it, right? Because here's the deal. All of us, every person that's born again, raise your hand if you've been born again. You have the measure of faith. You have as much faith as Jesus did. I just can't say that. I just can't say that. Well, I'm sorry. You don't believe the Bible then. I love you. (laughs) But the truth is, you have not a measure, like the guy in the back corner over there that thought there's nobody in the back corner. But the guy in the back corner over there, he doesn't have a lesser faith than you do. Now, he may feel like it, and he may even have a wrong perspective that doesn't, let him to, doesn't allow him to use that. But I'm telling you right now, your faith works. Say it. My faith, my faith works, works every, time. every time. Now, I say like this. I say my faith works every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month of every year and all the time. That's how my faith works. It never stops. When I go to sleep... I don't let my faith go to sleep. It keeps on working because I might have set something in motion yesterday and I want it. Now, since we've been doing this, a lot of stuff, the fact that we're here <laughs> is, is evidence that what we said then is working. Now, he talked about the glory and what your mom said. See, here's the deal. Jesus said, they asked Jesus, how, how, how are we supposed to pray? He said, you're supposed to pray, God, and I'm going to just do part of it. Your will be done, done, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. So when what you're doing in, pre- in the presence of God in praise and worship, you're just practicing for heaven. That's what we did a while ago. We just practiced Walking in the glory of God, what the what that oxygen, that faith, that glory that your mom experienced, what the word was permeated. The word just permeated her. You know, it'd be like going underwater. And you know what happened if you went underwater, right? You know, and just going underwater, not breathing, but still living. And actually not just living, feeling better. That's how the glory is. Now, you said, you talked about, and I've heard stories like that and experienced stories like that where you you think 10 minutes or 15 minutes goes by. We're going to talk about this tomorrow more in depth. I don't want to uh, say it all tonight, but that happened to us uh, where we thought a week went by. A month went by. So we'll talk about that some tomorrow. And, And... the people that know us here, <laughs> you know, I've heard, I've heard these kind of things before and thought, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's you. Don't do that. Please don't do that because that's you. I'm telling you right now, if God will do that for me, he'll do it for you. You say, well, I'm just, I work a business. Well, I got a business. We got a business. We own a business. We're business owners. Uh, in 2010, we started a business. I had a, little beat-up truck with a ladder rack on it and a hammer. Because I was at the church with Pastor Gene, and uh, he said, you know, why don't you see about getting out and doing something? Go get a job, boy. 
He always said, if you mess up around here, you got to get a real job. <laughs> Those that know him, you know how, how, how that was. But uh, so I went out and uh, I, I had actually started in the car business, selling cars, which was the last thing I wanted to do and the last thing I thought I'd even like or be good at. And I was actually pretty good at it. And uh, But then the day came when, when God uh, took me out of that and we just started a, a construction, a remodeling business. And her mother gave us $2,000. I mean, that came in pretty quick. And we're like, cool. Well, I went as fast as I could to the church and gave it to Pastor Gene. Because <laughs> I wanted seed in the ground. I, he, when I went in and gave it to him, he said, did you, for him being a dad like he was, he said, uh, now did you tell Mary about this? I said, I'll tell her when I get home. I'm going to get forgiveness, not permission. I said, no, I didn't, Pastor. But I know what God told me to do. Now, she was totally in agreement with it. When I, and that's one reason I was able to do it like that, because I knew what she'd say if I told her. But uh, now, since we've been doing this, we've been doing this business, uh, this is our eighth year. We're in our eighth year. And we've had success. We've had really good success. We still do all that we're supposed to do with the church. We still, I'm still the associate pastor of the church. I still do praise and worship. We still do these things. But in the last seven or eight months, and this is what I want to kind of get into in the morning, for the last seven or eight months, we've been doing what we're talking about. And the first thing we did was we immersed ourselves in the Word of God. Not because we wanted God to do something, but because we wanted to be with God. Amen? Amen. Since then, in the last, just in this last week, since doing that, our business this past week doubled. Now the numbers, you know, it's not fair to say the numbers because uh, 10 years ago, a tenth of what we got, that would have been a blessing. And, and that, that is a blessing. So I don't want to do that and get caught up in, the, in how much it is or anything like that. But how many would like for your income to double? <laughs> Amen. Right? And the truth is, that didn't happen because we're ministers. That happened because we worked our faith. We made our faith go get it. And I'll tell a little bit about it. We do work for Jack's restaurants, Jack's hamburgers. 15 cents are good, good, good. That's not anymore. They're not 15 cents anymore. And if you remember that, say, that little jingle right there, you're aging yourself. But uh, we work for Jack's, have for, for seven and a half or eight years. And when we started this, this immersion into the Word of God, I w I w I, I'm not going to try to spiritualize it because it wasn't a spiritualized thing. It was just, I said, you know, if we had, did I say 10 to pain or 20? Do you remember? Don't remember. I think I said, you know, if, if we had 20 jacks to, huh, to paint, that would be... A, a pretty big deal. You know, it's several thousand dollars to paint the exterior of one of those. And I said, I just said it. I just said it. I didn't, uh, I didn't pray about it a bunch. I said it out of my mouth. I said the word 20. I want 20 of those. And so, uh, all this time, now the backstory is Jack's family restaurants has sold to another group, a kind of a conglomerate uh, from the, the, the guy that owned it when I was there. He was just like your granddaddy that owned it, and, you know, billionaire. 
but just help everybody he could help. He was loyal, faithful, just everything. Well, this group comes in, so everybody, of course, the way, way people talking, you know, that's what happens. That's why you have to do this sometimes. La, 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 You know what I'm doing? I'm getting, making sure I don't hear what they say. La, 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 la. If you start to say something, la, 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 la. Now, you can do that without being rude and, and just cut that out, but you will have to do that because you're going to have to protect what God tries to do for you. You're going to have to hold on to it and you're going to have to stand on it and make sure it doesn't get away because it will try to get away. It'll try to get away. Your flesh will betray you. It'll tell you it's not going to work. Well, So, so we went on there and this place sold and the uh, regional manager, manager just above me is like a sister to us. And uh, she would tell me, well, this is happening because it mattered. We, we, didn't, we weren't under contract. They, each, each one of these stores would just call us and say, we need this, this, and it, mainly painting, fixing, something breaks. You know, pretty good, pretty good work. But uh, she would call and say, this is kind of what's happening. I'd say, well, I'll tell you what, here's what's going to happen. Whatever happens, it's going to be good for us, and it's going to be good for you. I'd tell her that. Well, she went from being having six stores to having 35 stores during this time. So she went from area to regional manager which is probably about a $100,000 increase a year. Pretty nice. And so, well, during this time, we get a, I get a phone call, and everybody's saying, no, business is going down. Business is going down. This is not the same people. This is not Mr. The, you know, the guy that had it. And I just say, well, that's fine. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter who has it. Now, I wanted to say, it. now everything was going so good. Just when you think things are getting good. <sighs> now they go and sell the doggone company. I've been, they've been, that man's on that company for 50 years. Now you hear me? He's on that for 50 years. Now why now? I guess it's just my deal. That's what happens. You don't ever, we don't ever talk like that, right? But I didn't do that. My flesh was doing that inside. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's what your flesh is good for. That's why you have to have the righteousness and the grace and all that. See, because grace is the ability to do what God wants you to do. Not, not uh, to stop you from having what God wants you to have. It's to let you have what God wants you to have, right? So this guy calls and recently and says, uh, my name is so-and-so. He said, I really don't want to be talking about this because he said, I know hamburger meat and chicken. <laughs> and they gave me the job to contract out to do these stores, to paint the outside of these stores. He said, uh, if you get your price right, I'm going to give you 20 stores to paint. 20. Imagine that. Mm. 20 stores, just right out of the blue there. Not really. Amen? And so we talked a little while, and I said, well, here's what I can do, and went back and forth. And, uh, you know, we kind of we started talking about it and getting in agreement about it. And so uh, when was it he called me last? Friday night, last night? No, Thursday night. Right? Calls me Thursday. We've, we've been going through this whole deal. It's longer, it's longer than this, but I don't want to stretch it out. He calls me Thursday night and said, uh, and he had already told me a week before this, he said, now, uh, 
this lady had spoke for us that was our, it's my, one of my regional managers. He said, she's, she's really pumped you up here, you know. I said, well, she loves me. You know, she, we're like brother and sister. And so uh, he said, but, I, but I'll be honest with you, it's, it's about the price. That the people that have it now, it's about, and that's what I'd been told. It's all about the price. It's all about your price. And I, I had the opportunity to think, well, I'm not going to be the best price because I'm not working for nothing. I don't think you ought to. I, that's what I thought. I didn't say that. I didn't tell him that. I said, well, I understand. I totally understand, sir. And so uh, we, we negotiated a couple of three times there and uh, gave him the final two different prices, one for one type of work, one for another. The other work was a little higher. And so uh, he called me back a week ago, eight days ago, and he said, uh, I can't, I can't really tell you that you got the, you know, that you got this. He said, but uh, you're, uh, I'll be getting in touch with you in about a week. Well, a week went by to hear a word. <laughs> I mean, a week, not, not, not seven days. I mean, during that week, my flesh is going, he ain't called you. And he said, well, he said it was going to be a week. What's wrong with you, son? Settle down. But you know, you don't want it to be a week. You want it to be two days because you don't want to be patient. And so uh, I went through all kinds of emotions waiting on that guy to call. Well, after a week, he called. He said, uh, well, here's what we're going to do. You got the job, and you got 30 stores to paint. 30 stores. And I heard somebody say something the other day about something like this happening, and they say, it just got real. <laughs> well, now it just got real. Well, that's seven months of work for us. And so I want, to, I want you to really understand why that happened. It's, it, it, I believe it was the favor of God. I do. But he has that same favor for you. He don't favor me more than he does you. Don't, don't let the devil tell you something like that. Don't let your flesh tell you something like that. Well, I'm, you're, you're this. You're a minister. Well, I wasn't a... Uh, I did, that didn't happen because I'm a minister. That's a job. That's a marketplace. Right? That's a business. You know, pre- preachers ain't even supposed to have no business. <laughs> Faith preachers ain't supposed to have no business. But the truth is, we're supposed to hear from the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're supposed to do what God tells us to do. Amen. We're supposed to have the blessing no matter what we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, Living right does not cause righteousness. Righteousness causes you to live right. Grace doesn't cause you to be able to do anything you want to do. That's not what grace is for. Paul plainly said that. Grace is not, liberty is not supposed to be taken and used to do anything we want to do. Mary said a wonderful thing, though she'll probably say it for it so with. If you, if you want grace to let you do anything you want to do, you probably need to get saved. <laughs> she said it now don't be mad at me I thought it was good but now now listen to this this is Second Peter and I'm going to close what time is it 7 o'clock 7 oh 721 I'm not going to do my who will give me 5 minutes because y'all all y'all all heard that that's that's old 5, 10, 15, 20 uh but let's do look at Second Peter chapter 3 
And this goes along with what Miss Mary has already set up for us. It says, verse 1, 2 Peter 3, 1. Now, now do you believe that God loves you? Yes. Do you think you need to do more so God will love you more? No. Say no. Because no. you don't. You can't do anything. And I'm going to say this a bunch of times. You can't do anything to make God love you more. You can't look at Jesus on the cross the way He was treated for, for me and you and think, well, I wonder what He feels. I wonder how He feels about me. Right? Isn't that right? God loves you and He favors you. Now the thing about the law and, the, the thing about law and grace is are there any natural Jews in here right now? You're a you're Jewish descent. I mean, you're 100% Jewish. I don't see any hands going up. <laughs> so the truth is, we were never supposed to be under the law. We came in after it was over. We came in under grace, right? We came in under the new covenant. Right? So why am I going to go out here and try to do something to be approved of God and get back in the law? That's what he was talking to the the Galatians, he said, who's bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Who's come in here and told you? Y'all ne- the Galatians were Gentiles. They never did have the commandments. They adopted all that from the Jews. And, God, and the Jews are still God's chosen people. He's not, he's not mad at them. All they got to do is get saved, make Jesus Lord, right? Just like, a, I mean, they can't be any worse off than a heathen. Right? But I got to thinking about that. What, what makes me think that I've got to live by don't kill, don't steal, don't... Now, I'm not going to do those things because I'm, I'm saved. I'm under grace. They're still wrong. Right? But uh, we're going to live according to the Word of God, according to grace. Now, verse 1 says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both in both of which I stir, stir up your pure, pure minds. I'm going to get it out in a second. Beloved, I now write to you. That's why I'm telling you the anointing of God is, is penetrating everything that's in this room right now. Do you receive that? Amen. All right. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir, I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Stir up your pure minds. I mean, I, I mean, I thought he was talking to people here. Pure minds. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now that commandment, you know, remember what Jesus said the commandments was. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And, that, and all the commandments are wrapped up in that. He was saying, y'all get, out, get on out of that old, uh, measuring up thing. Get out of that. Right? right? Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts in the last days. Now, we've already established it. This is late as it's ever been, y'all, okay? <laughs> if, they, if, if, if he was talking about you know, Peter came in and started talking about the last day. They started talking about, hey, y'all get ready. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Well, if he was coming then, I guarantee he's coming now. <laughs> this is going to explain part of that. And saying, uh, knowing 
this first, verse 3, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of His coming? Where's the promise of His coming? Now, I've, I've had these thoughts. You know why? Because this same Spirit is what tells people, y'all, I'm telling you now, you've been hearing that all your life. It ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. You've been hearing that. That's what that same Spirit is on me and you if we have those thoughts. He says, where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since everybody we knew lived and died, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's a pretty broad brush, isn't it? I just thought that was interesting that this, this, these people would say, nothing's changed from the beginning of creation. Now, he's talking about some of these people that don't believe anything about creation. He's talking about the world where they say, hey, I'm telling you now. I mean, you're, we just heard it the other day on TV where a person uh, in the media, not the media, but one of these uh, celebrities said if you were a Christian, you were mentally ill. We are brain damaged. Actually, we're brainwashed. Thank God we're brainwashed. Because I want Jesus to scrub my brain and get it out. Take it out, scrub it, put it back. Because I don't want to be like that. Now, that, now, I'm going to tell you something else before we go the other way with it, which is they're crazy. They've lost, the world is insane. They have lost their minds because they think, they think they're right side up. And they think we're like, like this. They think we're upside down. But when you read this, that's what turns your mind right side up. That's what gets you in the will of God so that you can have what God wants you to have. And so what we got to do is, like Mary, Miss Mary says, we're just not going to watch that. <laughs> Won't you just cut that off? Okay. I don't want anything in me that's going to cause me to not have what God wants me to have. Amen? Uh, you know the old hee-haw joke where the guy runs down the stairs doc- or runs into the doctor's office and says, Doctor, doctor. Anybody ever heard of hee-haw? Doctor, doctor, I broke my arm in three places. What do you say? You need to stay out of them places. <laughs> Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Things, everything's like it is. Everything's like it's always going to be. For the, from the beginning of creation, for, for this they willing... This is perfect right here. Listen. For this, verse 5, they willingly forget... That by the word of God, the heavens were were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that uh, then existed perished. So the world like it was when it was created is not like it was from the beginning. It is nothing like it was. So there has been some change, hasn't there? Right? Boy, there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of change since you were a kid. And I was a kid. Now the kids in here won't see that, but... I remember if you heard a curse word on the radio, they shut that station down the next day. The FCC, FCC came and said, you won't be broadcasting not, not in Alabama no more. One curse word. Now, the kid, I know you young people look at me like, are you kidding? But I'm telling you the truth. You did not hear a curse word on television. Not on any of the, you know, we didn't have cable. We had three channels, 640 and 13. <laughs> cable was for... Rich folks. And so, 
it has changed. This world has changed a lot. There's a thing that's going on. It's a trajectory. What's it called? Trajectory homiletics. Anyway, what it means is, I don't know how to say it, but what it means is this Bible has to be changed now to fit this new society that we have now because this is a modern time. That's what it really means. Is you, you can't just read this and believe this and do this and have this. You've got to make it match what's going on now. And you've got to bring all that junk that's changed forward and you've got to... That's not how it works. God wrote this. And you know what? I'll tell you something. 200 years ago, 200 years ago, the world was saying the same thing about this right here. Y'all can't do this. Now, they didn't have a plane. They didn't have a car. <laughs> they didn't have anything. Nothing was like it is now. But they were then saying, now you can't do this like you did 100 years ago. you got to change that so it fits. We're not changing the Bible to make it fit us. We're going to change us to fit the Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, he says right here, verse 5, And they willingly forget the, the, uh, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water, and in the water by which the world that existed, the world that existed perished, being flooded with water. Now we've had two major floods. Adam's or uh, Lucifer's flood, that's a different story. And then, of course, Noah's flood. Lucifer's flood destroyed all plant life, all animal life, all everything. There was a race of people before that. Pre-Adamite. Okay? But now Noah's flood, it destroyed everything except what was preserved by the Word. Amen? So that's happened. I mean, that's happened. So... It says, but the heavens and the earth, which are, verse 7, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So it's not only changed since then, unlike what the world says, it's going to change again. And it's probably going to change soon. <laughs> Amen? So what we want to make sure we do is, like Miss Mary said, we want to make sure we go on the first load. And, and that's not something you can do to earn. You just receive it, just like righteousness and grace and these other things. And I'm going to say this again. Living right does not cause righteousness. Righteousness causes you to live right. I have to live right. This is what people say. I have to live right to be righteous. No, you have to receive righteousness. That causes right living. The gift of righteousness empowers us to live right. The gift of righteousness empowers us to live right. When you see something going by that you're tempted at, if you're just trying to live right, you, can do, you might do it. You might do it ten times. But if you don't understand a little more than, I just don't, man, I, I just don't, I want to live right. I want to live right. I want to live right. You're going to resist that as, as long, until that wears out. And at some point, you're going to go for it. But if you, have the gift, if you have the gift of righteousness, if you have had your spirit changed, you're going to say, I don't want to do that. That ain't me. See, I won't even associate with the old Randy. He's not, coming, he's not even coming around me. 
because he died. Anything that I bring back up and try to resist shows he ain't dead. Amen? So we're going to get into that further tomorrow and, uh, and talk about how to operate in that because you can live like God wants you to live. And you can have everything God wants you to have. And it's, He wants it more than we want it. He wants it more than we do. I'm telling you. He wants us to have the blessing and have the favor and have the, have the stuff. I'll, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close. Sin wants you to act dead. Righteousness requires us to be alive and act alive. Now, I, I, I wrote this down. Lazarus in John 11 was raised from the dead. So I wonder if he ever pretended to be dead after that. I just don't feel alive. I wonder if he ever thought, I just don't feel alive. No, he was resurrected. He lived, right? Your resurrection, your spirit being resurrected is, resurrected is no less dramatic than Lazarus being raised from the dead. So we're not going to act dead. Sin wants you to act dead. And we're not going to do it. Amen? Praise God. All right. If you're here, I saw this earlier when we were talking about the glory. Now, uh, what we want to do is, if you have any kind of uh, sickness in your body. Glad I came. Are you? We want you to come up. We want to lay hands on you. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes it helps to hear someone come say something, sometimes just in a different way. And what happens is it's just revealing maybe something we know or wakens us up to it. That's what perspective does. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll have to say I've done this before. You're going on a stretch of highway, you're on the interstate, or you're on a familiar place, or you're right here in the middle of the city. And it could be that you might be going over the speed limit. But you look up there a few feet ahead and you see a car sitting up there and it says Jemison Police or it says whatever it says. Or you see a blue light and someone's got someone pulled over. And I don't know about you, but what's one of the first things that you do? You look down to see what your speed is. Truth is, if the car hadn't been there, we probably wouldn't pay paid attention to it. And tr truth may be, you wish he wasn't there because you're in a hurry. So the truth is, the speed limit is the law, and the law was given to protect us. You know, they're talking about law and grace, but <clears throat> we may think when we teach on this, you think we think the law is bad. No, the law is, all, the law is good. Because the law is God's holy, righteous standard. The problem is it couldn't make you that. The law is like a mirror. You look in the mirror. How many of you ever looked in the mirror? How many of you ever went out and you went out in the wind and the hair went this way and that way? You looked in the mirror again, it changed, right? But did you notice the mirror, the mirror had no ability to change anything about it? It just revealed what was, right? So you might think that you're losing some things or you're, you're, you're trying to please God and sense, hoping God will help you to do something. That's the wrong perspective. You may feel like you're losing grip. Well, forget about your grip. Let go. Because his grip on you is way better than your grip on him. He's got it. Some of it he's got it. So what happens is we, we hear some things, and, we, and there's some things that we need to hear to, to wake up. Because God's 
He's not angry. He's happy. But he's running out of time. So some things he's going to say is going to be, you know, I, I told all my kids, I said, when I'm teaching you how to drive with your permit, first thing you bet, you just going to get over this. Because when I'm teaching you how to drive, I'm on the right side. And I don't feel as comfortable as, I'm not as excited to be on this side as you are to be on that side for the first time. So if something needs to be corrected in a hurry, let's say like Donna, you know, she does the mail so she can drive on the right side better than I can on the left. But anyway, uh, but here's the deal. So I said, so if something happens, I'm going to make an adjustment in a hurry. So my tone of voice may go from whatever to, to from zero to a hundred in a half a second. And so if you get, you know, you get all frustrated by that or you get upset or offended, whatever, then this ain't going to work. And, uh, and that happened a few times because it was like, oh, my gosh, you're going to kill us. <laughs> and so I had to say, stop, <laughs> you, you know. And uh, <clears throat> one of my kids, I won't say which one, was on a four-lane highway in Clanton. And they remembered to get in the middle lane to turn. But I thought that, I thought that they knew that to get in the middle lane if you're going to turn left. They got in the middle lane and quickly turned right without even looking what was behind them. They did get the middle lane right, <laughs> but they just middle lane put on their right, put on their left signal and turn right. So I quickly had something to say, and and I did like this because I didn't know if a car was behind us, and thank God it wasn't. And so God maybe raised His voice a little bit. And so when He gets over to Revelations, here's the here's the thing about all those churches. The first thing that 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 said to all those churches was this. He said this, this is what you're doing good. Yeah. It wasn't just condemnation to all of them, but he found what they were doing good. And uh, he said, I'd rather you be, as Miss Mary just talking about, I'd rather you be cold or hot. My problem is when you're neither. It's hard to move someone who's undecided. Decision is the place of power. The scripture says be fervent in spirit. That also means, uh, 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 one of my Bibles says, maintain zeal to a boiling point. I think this is the same everywhere. Water boils at 212. Anything below 212 is hot water, but it's not boiling water. And I, I see that we're coming into a time because this indifference is in the church everywhere. The church has already cut off so many services, they ain't but one more to cut off. They're cutting off because the people won't come. So I say, well, we, we'll get rid of Sunday night, and we'll get rid of training, we'll get rid of this. Then, and now a bunch of people I've talked to is considering cutting off Wednesday because people won't come. Well, what changed? Did they double your hours to 80? No. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, dude. If you want to match testimonies, come on up here. We'll match testimonies, and I guarantee you, you'll need my handkerchief. If I told you my story, you, you'd leave here crying. If you want to match terrible testimonies. But see, that's not my perspective. My perspective is what I get when I'm in the Word. I, I, I was in Dollar General Day. I was running a, a quick errand because I was in a hurry, and I was doing a bunch of things and, and getting ready. And, and, this, and this lady, she didn't stop me, but she just she said something to me. And, uh, and she said, uh, uh, sir, I said, yeah. She said, uh, you're, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. She was about 10 years older than I was, and she was... <clears throat> uh, and I said, well, I, I am. And uh, she said, well, you're just 
singing a tune. I said, whistling a tune. I said, I am? She says, well, yeah. I said, what was I whistling? She said, I don't never heard of it. She said, but that wasn't why I knew. She says, she said, everything about your persona tells me that you know Jesus. Am I wrong? I said, I didn't tell I was a pastor. I just don't generally get some, my wife needs some Sprite. She wasn't feeling good this morning, her stomach, so she's, I need Sprite. And I wasn't whistling because her stomach wasn't feeling good. Right? And I thought, if, you, if, if, if just my time would do that, that someone could recognize who I don't know. We didn't have a conversation. It was, it was a 20, 15, 20 second deal. And uh, she says, so you know Jesus? And I said, all, all the way. <laughs> she says, well, your face, I, I can tell that you love the Lord. I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said, and, and I would ask you the same, but if, to, to know that, you know, you know the whole thing, got to be one, no one, <laughs> right? That's what happens. So when the policeman, we see him, see, we, we, we look and say, oh, oh. When I read Revelations over there, I think, ooh. Hmm? But see, I need that. That's not law in me. That's love in me. That's right. Because God's got a right better, uh, much better idea of your future than what you do. But he knows whether we're on or we're off course. Your phone will do the same thing. You know, have you ever put something in there and you say, I want to go here. And it, it just needs two things. Where are you at? And where are you going? Right? If you don't give those two pieces of information, they can't map you out of course. Right? But you got to be honest where you are. If you just say, well, I'm going to tell it. I'm in. Well, it'll, it'll map you another course, but you're not going to get where you're going. And if you get an airplane and you're going to go 1500 miles and you get off just a, a five degree off the course and you travel at 600 miles an hour for 1500 miles off, you're not, you're not going to wind up where you wanted to wind up. You're going to go somewhere else. And the Holy Ghost knows exactly where he wants you to go. He knows the exact plan for your life. He knows exactly how to get you there. He knows exactly where we are. And he's not here to condemn. He will correct so that he can get us on course. And some of you, some of us, in a place till we just we just we'll just pick it up a little bit because here's here's the thing about fire. When fire gets hot, you know it's hard to start a fire with old wood and it's cold and it's. But if, when you get enough fire burning, you can throw just about anything in there, and it'll burn up all the dross in the building. I, I could have told you. I won't, uh, uh, there's been people through the years I, I've just known as just being their pastor for years. And I love them, and, and, and I said, the, I'll tell you the easiest way to get this church in revival. I told Michelle, I said, if, if brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, for whatever reason, during praise and worship, I mean, this is someone who may not ever say a word to you otherwise. Good person, but just quiet, not going to raise their hand, not going to like this, love God, going to heaven, you know, good person, but just quiet. Can't get them to say amen, nothing. Just faithful, but just, you know, not say a thing. I said, if that person was ever just to go during worship service to go, wow, and run around three times, it'd throw us into a three-week revival <laughs> that we couldn't get out of. Because <laughs> it would just so be out of their character. I've been in, I've been in churches, I've told this. One time I was in church in Tuscaloosa, and I was sitting there during praise and worship service, and I heard the Holy Ghost as clear as a bell. He says, would you, do this, would you do me a favor? I didn't ask him what. I said, sure. He said, would you take a lap for me? And I knew, I knew he said, I said, really? Yeah. He said, uh, I'm trying to do something here, and, and, and I can't unless it gets broke loose. 
Well, I said, I had on my suit, but I didn't have on my running suit. And I was with some culture people. But it was okay because I was agriculture in a suit. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there, nothing going on. Everyone sang the song, reading lyrics. Sometimes I think the lyrics is what hurts us the most because we just read, Oh, I worship, I praise you, I thank you, Lord Jesus, you are. <laughs> then they look, something gets spelled wrong, Sam, but you misspelled that. <laughs> right? But see, your, your husband and wife, your fiance wouldn't accept that. If you just wrote something down, oh, I read, I found this as a Hallmark card. I just wanted to tell you, honey, you are gorgeous. You are a very great person. You think she's <laughs> bought into that? Gee, I hope we'll be together for a, uh, does that say long? <laughs> does she believe it? No. Sometimes I think it'd be better if we just turned, turned the words off and just see what happens. Huh? Because if you love the Lord and you want to tell him, you don't, need, you don't need anyone to give you lyrics. Huh? So you're the epistle, you're the letter. And the world's reading you. But what are you saying? Right? So don't, let's don't let this indifference, indifference get into us to the place to where it silences us. And we, 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 we let the world whittle this off and we whittle that off and we whittle this off and we whittle that. And we're trying to find the minimum requirement of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm born again. So I, I got all of God in me. In your spirit is that you are the headquarters of God. You are God's spirit. You're a God house. You're Holy Ghost wallpapered on the inside. You can't get any more God than that. Huh? And the enemy, since he can't get you to quit, what he tries to get you to do is just change your focus, just change your attention. He can't get you to quit, so he just gets you busy. He tells you at 4 o'clock, oh, you're just way too busy to go do anything tonight. You know I am. But I found a trick for preaching on Wednesday night. I learned it years ago when I would just be so tired. I, had this, I, didn't, I didn't know I was going to have to go to the hospital. I didn't know there was going to be a funeral. I didn't know this and this and this. I didn't know I didn't have the time to do it. But here's what I found out I could do. Natural. If you pop a rubber band against your face. No, no, no. no, no, no. Just kidding. Just kidding. What? So, so, I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, if you'll put a piece of ice against your eyelid for 10 seconds, you won't go to sleep for an hour. I said, I said are you serious? Try it. That is cold. That's a sensitive part of your body. Put an ice cube there for 10 seconds, hold it like, and you'll come in church. Hi! <laughs> They'll thank you, drink for 14 cups of coffee. <laughs> but we're not going to let the enemy silence us. Huh? Because this thing's about to wrap up. You hear what I'm saying? This thing's about to wrap up. So the eyes of the Lord's looking to and fro. Uh, I, I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. You, 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 you. I, I, I need you here. Station you there. Station you here, right? So I appreciate you guys coming because these are some fine quality people. Here's what you got to understand. Theirs, theirs is a bit different. They're out traveling now. But they've, they've been in the local church serving. See, sometimes we get the local church wrong. We think, well, we come to honor the man of God. Well, that's a part, but that's only a part. They've been serving. You know, when you're working in children's church and you're teaching the youth, you're 
serving. We talked about this last week with Children's Church. Children's Church is where they learn something and you learn something. <laughs> you learn more than what you want to. I mean, the children say it and it's already out there and you're just like, Ugh, back in, back in, back in, back in. Right? And youth got this whole idea too. Well, they've been serving someone else. And so Jesus' disciples said, hey, when you come to your kingdom, can I sit on this side and you sit on that side? And Jesus said, it's not mine to give you. In other words, if you want to be great in the kingdom, be a great server. And so they come tonight to serve us. That makes them great. It makes them great. Huh? And so I, I appreciate all your years of diligence that you, that even the time you wasn't pastoring, but that includes it, that you, out of, I, I really respect this couple for what I've seen from a distance of how they have served another man and a woman of God. And when you serve someone for 20, 30 years, you didn't always agree with them. And Pastor Gene, you could have disagreed with him. <laughs> he and I was eating one time. We was doing a, I, I was doing a meeting at his church. He and I was doing a meeting, and he ordered some Chinese. He said, do you like Chinese? I said, yeah. He said, Corey, go get us some Chinese. Corey, right? Yeah. Corey got us some Chinese. We was in the kitchen eating. And I got to the end, he was talking. And uh, I started to get my little cookie out of the whole thing. About that time, Pastor Gene, he, he went, Phew! And he knocked the cookie out of my hand. It went rolling down. I don't know, I don't know where. No one ever found it. And I'm like, what's the matter? He says, we don't want to read astrology in this church. I said, no, we don't. Well, see, I, I just wanted the cookie. I wanted to ask him, then why did we order this stuff? Because it was going to come with it. So I'm assuming in 25, 30 years, you could have differed on one side or another. Well, there's a lot of people who didn't stick. Who didn't even see what they saw. Huh? Who didn't walk through hard places. So this isn't, these, these aren't novices. This is like that old car that you, you don't think is worth anything. Not, I don't mean it the way I'm saying it. I, I'm just saying, you, you, ever, you ever owned a car or had a car that you thought, well, it make it to the store? But, but you know it'll make it to California and back. But you can't look at it and tell it that. Because sometimes that car, I, that's a bad analogy, but, but sometimes I've had cars that just had Bondo and, and, and strapping wire holding it all together, but you knew that, no, no. <laughs> but, you, but you knew. All I'm saying is they've been tested. All I'm saying is they've been tested. And because they've been tested and faithful, improved, God says, i got something I want you to go tell my people. Hmm? You know, when you, when you have a business like this and it's doubled, you don't have to be here. You have to be here because you have a mandate to go do it. And because all you've ever known to do is be faithful, you don't know anything else. Right? And it's easy for you to spot unfaithfulness. Huh? It's like we have two men in this church, at least two, that own businesses. I don't know how they make it here on Wednesday. Well, I do. They, they just made a decision. Now, there's times that their business takes them out of town 
But other than that, that it's like we do whatever we do. We make our we make our schedule like this because this this is what we do. And they both do a physical bit. I mean, Mr. Scott, he's a builder. You can't tell me a man who builds all day long and gets into the hard physical part when he sits down on the Wednesday night and it's been cold outside in the warm. You can't tell me that, that he never felt tired. I mean, there's no way in the world you ever going to make me believe that. Because I know he is. And I respect that. But see, that's a decision he made. But those kind of decisions will pay off for the rest of his life and for his family. See what I'm saying? It's not do good to get good. It's, it's the righteous. I'm the righteous of God, and therefore that's what. So, and so the church is working it backwards. The church is working on, on uh, behavior modification. And the problem is, is we have to change what you believe, what I believe, to change the outcome. Jesus said you, you can't take a bad tree and get good fruit, and, and you can't, and vice versa. So what you have to do is you have to change what you're rooted in. If you don't like your fruit, then check your connection of the root. What are you rooted in? So when I ran a business and started this church, I ran a business that was six, six days business. And I had four kids. And the oldest one started at my belt and went down. And I didn't have no archives of sermons. It was hours to get one thing. And that's what we did. And that's all we needed to do. Huh? Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. But it was worth it. And I'm as, I'm as excited today. I'm actually a whole lot more excited than it was when I ever started. Amen. Because I know that we are on the, the, the small sliver of time, and God's saying, this is what you waited for. There had to be a generation alive when Jesus came, right? I mean, there had to be a generation alive. Our grandparents' generation, it wasn't theirs. All that was preparatory for us. But this is the generation that he comes. And if he doesn't, you're going. That's how it works. Because God can outlast you. You notice? Right? So if we're in, let's just get in. And the best way that you get into a pool where the water's too cold is just jump in. Just jump. Amen. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to give you another sermon behind that. But I'm just thrilled about what they what they brought us, and I can't hardly wait till tomorrow. So.